And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait! We are back. Tom Brady is once again Super Bowl champion, so really nothing's changed in the NFL since you last heard from (laughs) us. It's been a fairly quiet two weeks for the Jets, which makes total sense because Marissa's been on vacation, and breaking news does not happen when Marissa isn't around to produce a podcast about it. As always, thanks for listening and watching. I'm Tim McMaster along with Connor Hughes and the aforementioned Marissa Morris. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review on Apple as well. Lots to get to today. More on the Jets' quarterbacking situation. We're just going to keep talking about that because, you know, Deshaun Watson, what they do with the draft, Sam Darnold, all that stuff. We'll also get into the coaching staff a little bit as well. But Marissa, first off, two weeks off. What would you do? Literally nothing. It was great. I just said I really didn't open my computer at all, um, which was very nice. Um, I watched a lot of, I'm watching the Sopranos. Um, so before Game of Thrones, I'm on season four of the Sopranos, which, um, took up a lot of my time, which was pretty nice. Um, yeah, it snowed a lot. I feel like it doesn't stop snowing. I'm ready for some nice weather. I'm ready for summer. Um, it's snowing right now again. Hopefully this week will be a little better. Um, but yeah, not too much. Uh, it was pretty quiet week. Um, yeah. What about you guys? Are you back from Cleveland now? Or are you still Yes, I am back. I am back in Jersey. Yes. You did the Hall of Fame. You did, you did that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is one thing. Michael's jersey's in there? The only thing I really did, aside from watch TV, it was pretty boring two weeks off. But I did go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Cannes, Ohio. That was very cool. Um, it's actually the first time I've ever been to... I haven't been to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And that's like... I, I wanted to go this past summer when Jeter was going to get inducted, you know, lifelong Jeter fan. But Can we uh, talk that, about your old uh, middle school happen. project where you were like, yeah. gonna, was it, would you say you were going to marry Derek Jeter? You were going to marry <laughs> Derek Jeter? What was like the Derek, Derek Jeter project you sent us? Derek Jeter was my like role, everything as a kid. Like Derek Jeter. Michael Dunn before Michael to, Dunn. Yes. I wanted to get into sports. Just the Yankees, the way he played the game, champion, you know. There's not enough to say about Derek Jeter, if you ask me. But yeah, the Pro Football Hall of Fame was really cool. Um, got to see all the different exhibits they had. The busts were really cool. Like walking that like that whole like alley they have of uh, everyone's faces is really awesome. Um, they had a lot of cool stuff from this year, this season too. Like they had like exhibits from this season, um, which was nice. It was pretty empty, which was good. Um, but yeah, it was it was a cool experience. I definitely recommend it to anybody who's going through Ohio for sure. I think that the the football Hall of Fame I rank it as number two in the uh, Hall of Fames behind. I mean, there's something about the baseball Hall of Fame and yeah. and the town of Cooperstown overall. That's just like it's really unique. It's such a small town, and everything just points to 
the Baseball Hall of Fame. So that's number one. But Canton is really cool. You said there was nobody there when you were there. Obviously, that's partially because of you know yeah. the pandemic. I actually went to Canton when I was driving from um, you know my hometown of Massachusetts out to South Dakota to take oh. my first job out of college way out in South Dakota. And I stopped in Canton just to go. But I, I stayed there overnight the night before. So I went at like on like a Wednesday at like 8 a.m. Same thing. Nobody yeah. was there. It was so yeah. cool being in a, a museum like that, a Hall of Fame with, with nobody else around. But yeah, that's yeah. number two, I think. Hockey's pretty cool in Toronto. That's three. And then number four, the Basketball Hall of Fame is, it's not great. It's, it's definitely <laughs> not great. They got some work to do there in, uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts. My favorite thing actually was the rings was really cool yeah. to see the different, like how the Super Bowl rings have started and where they are now and like how many carrots and how big they've gotten. It's like unreal. I feel like this is a sub. I feel like this is a sub comment to Michael. I feel <laughs> no. like you might be so. I think we might Not be sub talking to Michael in this chat. Now. I think but we just was, we just pivoted. Very cool. Or or like the equipment, how the equipment has evolved. You know what shoulder pads and helmets and stuff like that were like. It was it was cool. It was a good experience. So ready oh, for uh, ready yeah. to get back in the swing of things now that vacation's over. Um, and Connor just played video games for two yep. weeks, so we're all good. I have yeah. logged so many hours into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I don't know who <laughs> it was on Twitter when I said, should I get this? Is it worth it? And they were like, oh my God, yes, just it's going to consume your life. It has absolutely consumed my life. I can't, I'm a Viking. I am a Viking now <laughs> and I am just absolutely in love with it. I'm making my way throughout uh, uh, Mercia right now. I'm, I'm, I'm building my clan. I'm building up my settlement. I, I, I'm Igor or whatever the guy's name is. I got an awesome face tattoo. I got tattoos all over. I just, oh my God, I love the game. Can't, can't recommend it enough. It's how I'm getting, it's how I'm getting through all of the latest, all the, the consistent and incessant hate mail that I keep yeah. getting from Jets Nation. This, uh, just taking out my, uh, anger and frustrations as a Viking and Assassin's Creed Valhalla is how I'm, um, I'm dealing with my new, newfound stress. We should open that up. Like, what what does Connor Hughes need to do to win back gangrene? Like, what <laughs> what is the secret? Let us know if you have any ideas because, you know, the fan base yeah, has turned. Luckily, chat. I guess they hate listening to this podcast, Connor. So luckily, we're, we're at least still having people tune in. Yeah, well, I mean, the I guess what I didn't realize, what I didn't assume is that when the the public enemy number one was disbanded from the beat, that I would assume all the uh, the I, I would assume all of that negative energy right on my shoulders. And like the crazy thing is, is that like the the, the funniest uh, the funniest thing I like this this comment that we've got up here now that'll, that'll be nice and make me feel good. My funniest thing is like I've, I don't think I've been like overly critical. I haven't been overly harsh. Like I've always said, I think the Jets should go after and get Deshaun Watson. I think the Jets should do this. I've been like we went on that whole spiel, you know, kit and caboodle about uh, how how awesome it is now that there's optimism. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my god, people are really really angry with me. They're very very angry. My favorite comment, I will say, the absolute best comment that I've had was the one off of this mailbag, and I think you saw it, Tim, which was when uh, I, I did a mailbag and one of the people. One of a Jet fan asked me a question about like should the Jets uh, consider trading Quinn and Williams, which we can discuss here, which I think is like a really good topic. I didn't even think to put this in the the rundown because of how you know angry it made everyone. But it was like including should the Jets Mekhi consider Becton, trading, including Mackay Becton, yeah, right. who retweeted yeah. Connor but, and said, "Oh yeah, like, no way." <laughs> yeah, it was like it's it's if should the Jets consider including Quinn and Williams in a trade package if it means that they'll get Deshaun Watson. And, like, I tweeted it out because that was, like, the mo the best question I thought I got answered. It was the most interesting question I or I thought I got asked. And so I was like, all right, yeah, we're going to throw that one out there. And somebody comments on it. They go, this is typical Connor clickbait. 
I was like, man, it's a mailbag. It's a mailbag where I'm ask, I'm answering your questions. It's not even me. Like, I didn't think, like, oh, I'm going to, like, this is something that might happen. It was like, you asked me the question. I answered your question. It's like, clickbait, Connor, back at it again. I was like, oh, man, here we go. That's just yeah. what it's been like the last. Oh. Then you got backed up a little bit. Somebody said haters going to hate. But, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, it, it's been a tough time for you. But you'll be uh, they'll be back with you for the season, I think. Um, you know, you'll get you'll get through this. One. All right. Let, so Zach Wilson's first interception. That's going to be all my <laughs> fault, too. All right. And that is a perfect transition into our first topic, which is the many roads to a quarterback for the Jets in 2021, uh, which we've talked about. But we'll continue to do it, like I said, until, you know, after the draft, when we figure out who is going to be the quarterback for the New York Jets in 2021. I guess we start with Watson. Texans continue to say they're not trading him. Uh, the Bears are lining up. It seems like the Panthers, who Watson, they're not on his list, but the Panthers seem all in. The 49ers still. All those teams seem to be more interested, just from what you hear from the rumors, than the Jets are. Um, we still imagine that the Jets would at least kick the tires. But right now, the Texans say we're not trading him. That has to be just a ploy at this point, right, Connor? I mean, you can't look at what... You can't bring the guy back. You just can't. I mean, the Texans have made plenty yeah. of mistakes over the last few years, but that would be the ultimate to bring back a disgruntled Deshaun Watson to run your offense with a new coach and a new front office. Ugh. Especially after getting with a Watt. Now, I get right. now, the Watt thing was also uh, financially involved. Like it was, I mean, Watt, JJ Watt's still a good player, but he's not. J.J. Watt's not the player that he once was, and, and J.J. Watt's not a player uh, that was, I think, worthy of the contract that he was going to get from the Texans. So, I mean, Houston definitely could have traded him. They, they could have, and, and we've heard those reports come out. And I mean, Houston absolutely could have gotten a fourth or a fifth for Watt from some team that wanted to add him, you know, a contender thinking maybe they could squeeze a little, last little juice out of the lemon and, and see if they couldn't, you know, use him to help them make a run at a Super Bowl or at a Lombardi trophy. But, I mean, I think it's obvious that they needed cap space they needed to move down and, and moving on from uh jj watt was like an obvious way to do it but for him to leave and then keep watson it's just it's it's confusing now i can say that i've made calls to to people that i know around the league executives i know around the league and, and i've asked them about the watson thing is is like are they actually going to trade him are they actually going to trade him and and one person that i trust a lot has made it very clear that that he doesn't see any way that they actually trade him and that everything that he has heard is that the Texans are standing standing firm on we are not going to trade him. Now that can obviously change. We've seen it happen a million times around the NFL. I mean, the the Dave Gettleman said we didn't sign Odell Beckham to trade him, and then traded him like three weeks later. You know, you've had uh, even even I can't the, the one off the top of my head. I mean, but you you hear it all the time. You see it all the time where where teams take one stance. Carson Wentz. Howie Roseman came out right after the season on Carson Wentz and said, like, was it, what was his quote? Like, playing without Carson Wentz would be like not having fingers on your hand or some really, really weird remark that he said. And it was like, oh, I guess they're keeping him. They fire the head coach that didn't get along with Carson Wentz. And then two months later, they trade Carson Wentz anyway. So, I mean, it does it does happen. I mean, people can say, like, you know, or teams can say, we believe this guy, we want to trade him, and it work. And then eventually you get to a point where you say, it's not going to work, and you deal him away. Now, though wild thing is is that and we've said it on the podcast before and i've written it before is that there is no anything to compare this situation with watson too because you don't see guys like him available i was just talking to the who's going to be my father-in-law about this and and we were talking about it last night because he's a big eagles fan like uh breeze breeze family's from philadelphia so they're big eagle fans and they were talking about the wentz trade and then comparing it to watson and i was like i know you can say like oh 
Stafford went for two ones and, and Wentz basically got a one and a three because that first round pick, I mean, as long as he doesn't tear, blow his ACL out, that's going to be a first round pick. Like, oh, th- I mean, there's just, there's no comparing the Watson situation too. I mean, because this guy is a, a 25-year-old in the prime of his career who is a top five quarterback in the NFL. And, and he's somebody that you can say he'll still be able to play when he's 37, 38 years old. So if he's 25 now, you're talking about a guy that if you trade and get him, you've got a franchise quarterback for the next 12, 13, 14, maybe 15 years. I mean, that's how good this guy can be because he's not, while he's an athletic quarterback, his strong play is not predicated on his athletic ability. You know, like when Russell Wilson's athleticism goes, he's not going to be the same quarterback because he's not going to be able to run around anymore. I mean, Deshaun Watson's deadly accurate, got the really strong arm, can move within the pot. Like he's just, he's the complete package. So you never have players like him available to be traded for. They're always up there in age or there's red flag injury concerns or there's personality red flags. There's none of that with him. So you can't look at any other situation and say, oh, well, this guy went for that. So this is what it'll cost because guys like him are just never available. And eventually what I think the Texans are going to see is and, and what they could very, I mean, look, they can stick to their guns. If they, that's what people around the league have told me that they're, they, they, they're the Texans to this point. They're telling everyone the calls. We're not trading them. They're telling everyone we're not calls. We're not trading them. But eventually, it's going to get to the point where I think they they could say, "Look, we're heading into a full on rebuild. We're 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 a team that we just got rid of JJ Watt. Will Fellows a free agent. We need this. We need that. We're not. If this guy's going to be miserable, let's expedite our rebuild and trade him away and get picks. And if they do make the decision to, okay, you know what? Let's hear what you guys got. What would you what would you give us for Deshaun Watson? If it gets to that point. I mean, there's there's no there's no price somebody's not going to be willing to pay. I mean, you're going to start at three first round picks and then some, but it'll then expand from there. And and there's going to be such a bidding war, and there's going to be some team that's going to be willing to be go over the top for it, that it's going to be whatever that like it just it will be one of the most historical trades in the history of the NFL if the Texans actually make Deshaun Watson available. I mean, I remember hearing earlier rumors that the 49ers might be willing to get rid of Nick Bosa if they're willing to get like in that conversation, that they'd be willing to package some picks and throw Nick Bosa in there. And and when you have a guy like this available, that's when there's just nothing that you can compare to. And I know that, you know, the Jets have the most picks so they can make the most compelling offer. But when the amount of teams that are going to be interested in this come into the, I mean, the Texans are going to have a group of teams. Everyone's going to be willing to try to one-up each other. And they'll be able to go to Deshaun Watson and say, Where, which of these do you want to play for kind of thing? And they'll be able to send them there. Now, conceivably, yes, they could say, that the Jets offer is so much better that your option is you either get traded to the Jets or you stay here with us. Like that could that could that could honestly be something that comes through. That you know that Nick Bosa offer from the 49ers isn't there. The Panthers giving up Christian McCaffrey and then some isn't there. You know the 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 Washington football team is not going to be willing to give up what they want to give up. And and suddenly the Jets offer is so good that the Texans say, look, we got a 25 year old quarterback that we want to keep. So you're either going to go play for the Jets and we're going to get this return haul or you're going to stay with us and we'll see what happens with it. So, well, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch play out right now. Everything I've heard is what other people have heard, which is that the Texans are sticking to their guns that they don't want to trade Deshaun Watson. Now, will that change? We'll see. And I think it might, especially if, if Watson keeps holding to his guns, that, that he's not there. Now, the one thing I will say, last point, is that his agent, David Mulgata, came out and said that Deshaun doesn't have any plans to, to hold out, that he doesn't have any plans to hold out. If he's on, if he's gonna, it could be on this roster. He'll be there at training camp. He'll be there at OTAs. He'll be there at mini camp if they are there because of the pandemic. We'll see. Um, but if he's willing to report to camp, he's not forcing anyone's hand. Like he's saying, right. "I want to be traded. I don't want to be here." But if you keep me, I'm still going to report and give my teammates my all. So that kind of, I mean, it's not like a, uh, it's not getting ugly. I guess is what I would say. 
yet. We'll see. But yeah, we'll certainly see. This actually just in, um, as we were just discussing that from Ian Rappaport, he says, the Jets are planning to complete their evaluations of the top Mm -hmm. quarterbacks in the NFL draft before making any decisions on Sam Darnold. Sources say that includes pro days and interviews. While they've received real interest in Darnold, they want to get a full quarterback picture first, which makes total sense um, that that you want to know where you're going. But it, but it, you know, it's also the the little thing in there also is they've received real interest in Darnold. So it's interesting. And mm-hmm. you wrote a story about how Wentz's trade could affect Darnold. And the conclusion of that story on The Athletic, you can check it out, was that it really won't. Wentz goes for, you know, the, the 2021 third round pick, 2022 pick, which probably becomes a first rounder if Wentz plays, you know, if he plays 75% of the cold snaps, which you would think would happen. It becomes a first rounder, otherwise a second rounder. Um, but you don't think that trade affects Darnold, and it seems like the Jets are going to take their time here um, between now and draft day, figuring out what to do with Darnold. Yeah, and that's more. Um, again, that's not necessarily my opinion. I just make calls on it. Like that's just when that because that was my first. It's almost like when when certain things like when Jared Goff went, and it was like when Jared Goff and and the Matt Stafford trade went down. It was okay. I'm going to make a call to people I know. Rental league does this impact the Jets? And is there the immediate like you know you immediately call people that know? Like I'm a reporter, right? Like that's what I do. But it's like I call the people that know more than me. I call the people that are executives and the people that are agents and the people that are more tied into making this decisions, not reacting to these decisions like I am. And I see what the hell they say. And the one thing that I heard from somebody that I trust a lot is no, it does not impact Sam Darnold. Now. The reasoning for this, and this is where I know I had a ton of, I was, Rich and I, Samini and I were texting each other uh, the other day, like when, when I started having all these in my mentions and people were like, yeah, Connor down with Rich, you know, way to refute his report <laughs> was that Rich came out and said like this absolutely, you know, this impacts Sam Darnold's trade because the best he's going to get now is probably a two and a four. I tweeted out, this doesn't impact Sam Darnold's trade. He's going to get a two. So we were saying this, like if Same you thing, had gone right? into... Exactly. It was just the way it was semantics. It was based like if you went into if you if you thought, okay, well, if Carson Wentz goes for two first round picks and then some Sam Darnold can get at least a one. Right. And then all of a sudden Wentz only goes for a conditional two and a three. Uh, Well, obviously, Sam's not going to get a bona fide, no doubt, first round pick because of what Carson Wentz just went for. If you went in with that mindset, then, yes, this did impact it. When I was making calls before the Wentz trade about Sam Darnold, and when I was making calls when the Wentz trade looked like it was going to go down, and then after the Wentz trade got went down, I was continually told by multiple people, both executives, agents, and scouts, that Sam's stock or Sam's value is a second round pick. Like that's that's where you kind of start with Sam Darnold. It's not going to be a four. It's not going to be a five. Like it looked like it might be last year. There's enough people around the NFL that look at his contract because he's still on his rookie deal that see the fact the Jets haven't surrounded him with talent or the the poor coaching that he's received, that he was a the number three pick in the ba- draft not long ago, and a lot of people believed he was going to be the number one pick in the draft to the Browns not long ago, including the Jets. Um, they look at all those things and say, we can fix Sam, and we can do what the Jets couldn't do, and and we'll be able to do that. So he has value for that reason. And it because of his struggles, because of his issues, because of his problems uh, that he's had throughout his career and, and the lack of... of uh, uh, production that he's had throughout his career obviously he's not going to fetch more than that but I've always been told second round pick that that's where and if you can get enough teams in on it maybe you can get a second round pick and then some if you can really up the ante and you can really get a lot of teams going maybe you can get a late one but it's probably going to be a second round pick so when Carson Wentz got traded before it and I said and somebody told me second round pick and then he got I he gets traded and I call someone and they're like no 
second round pick is still Sam's value. Well, to me, that means his stock hasn't really changed. So Wentz didn't really impact that because before Wentz went, Darnold was probably going for a two. And when after Wentz went, he's probably still going for a two. And now what Ian has reported is kind of what's been in line with what we've been saying for a very long time. And it's what Joe Douglas has said publicly and what Robert Sala has said publicly is that we are not going to rush into any decision. We are going to evaluate all options and then we're going to make a decision that's best for this team. Now, I will say that the fact that this is going to go through interviews and this is going to go through pro days and this is going to go through the um, different looking combine than what we're going to have this year. It does mean that the Jets obviously are not sold on Sam Darnold. I mean, if you're sold on a quarterback, you don't do the research. And and I remember writing a column about this several years ago when, when the Jets had just drafted Christian Hackenberg in the second round. The next year, Mike McCagnon was doing an absurd amount of research on Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes and Mitch Trubisky and all these guys and, and looking at them and evaluating them. And I remember writing a column like, if the Jets were convinced that Christian Hackenberg was a franchise quarterback, they're not going to do all of this research on these other quarterbacks. And it's something very similar to right now. If the Jets are convinced that Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback, they're not going to be doing all of this research to see if there's a better franchise quarterback out there in Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. And obviously Deshaun Watson is the white whale of like, you know, if you can get him, you can get him. But it's almost like he's always going to be elusive. And it's just it's the it's the anomaly. Like he he is the anomaly where you just take him out of the equation because you can get him. You go and do whatever you can to get him. But with Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, you're looking to see if they're going to be a franchise quarterback. If you're doing that and and you go through these and we've said this over and over if you can and if you go through these interview processes if you go through and you talk to Wilson and you talk to Wilson's coaches and you go back to his high school coaches and you talk to these guys and you get a stamp of approval that there are no personality red flags there are no injury red flags he is he is going to be a franchise quarterback he has franchise quarterback potential I don't know how you look at all that and then look at what Sam did and still roll with Sam so the only way that I believe the Jets stick with Sam Darnold in 2021 is if they evaluate Justin Fields and they evaluate Zach Wilson and believe that neither of those guys is a franchise quarterback. That's the only way. Because if they evaluate them and think that they are a franchise guy, you draft whichever one you believe is a franchise quarterback, period. No questions asked. You draft him and you say, that kid's going to be my franchise quarterback. I'm going with him and I'm running with him and that's how it's going to work. If you evaluate him and say they're not, that's when you you stick with Sam or and you trade back. And, and that's honestly what I would do. I wouldn't draft anyone. And number two, I'd move back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Just one more thing on the quarterbacks, and then we'll move on. And this is because you talk about, right, a second-round pick for Darnold. That's that's the asking price. 
But in his last mock draft, Dane Brugler actually threw kind of a, a wrench into this, kind of a twist. Mm-hmm. Instead of a second round pick, how about moving up in the first round? And and his theory on the mock draft was that the they could send Sam Darnold to the 49ers, move up from 23 to 12 in that first round, also get a second round pick in 22. To me, Connor, that's even better than a second round pick, right? You're not getting an extra player, but the value to move from 23 to 12 it's pretty good. I, I think that's a, a neat way to look at it too. Yeah, I and yeah, absolutely. I think it's a it's a unique one. And actually, I remember when that trade went out, I, I reached out to somebody over in the, the AFC uh, NFC West. I'm sorry about that. Like to say like, oh, and and the guy told me he goes, well, I've all he he's one of the people who helped me out with that story on the floor's offense. Um, who's obviously is the Shanahan offense that he's going to be bringing over, and he was telling me he goes like, honestly, I think that that's a good home for Sam he goes like I think that Sam can function really really well in that style of an offense he goes like people aren't lying about that and people aren't joking about oh you know Sam's a good fit for for Shanahan it's 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 true I mean what the story is still up on the athletic if anyone wants to read but what what that offense needs for a quarterback to be successful is mobility the ability to throw on the run the ability to make some plays off script you know kind of to come around the side and make those throws and then what takes the the scheme to the next level or I'm sorry, what also makes it easier is thrown to spot. So you don't have to necessarily read a defense because you're throwing to a spot and the receiver's eventually going to be in that spot. So between that, which takes uh, read progressions back a level and, and makes it easier on the quarterback, which reading a defense is something Sam struggled with anyway. Obviously, we've all seen Sam have success throwing on the move, and that's something that he does really well. He's mobile and elusive within the pocket. He fits that scheme. Now, what takes that offense to the next level is when you can get a quarterback that can make the throws deep down the field. And you can get the guys that when he is forced to stand in the pocket, because that whole that offense is all based on play action, get out and move, play action, get out and move. When you do have the quarterback that is forced to stay within the pocket, he can attack down the field and take advantage of, of the defense that way and avoid the turnovers. That's something that Jimmy Garoppolo has not been able to do in San Francisco, which is why when teams play San Francisco, the goal is always to shut down the run, keep Jimmy in the pocket and make Jimmy beat you. If you had a quarterback that you couldn't say, I want to make the quarterback beat me, well, that offense is basically unstoppable. And that's why with Sam, you don't know, because he's been turnover prone during his three years with the Jets. He's he's never been able to consistently hit plays deep down the field. You know, that's not something he's been able to do too, too much throughout his career. So, you know, he'll be a better fit for that kind of an offense than a Garoppolo is, which is why he'll work with LaFleur or he would work with Shanahan. But can you make it even better? And if Shanahan believes in it and is is confident enough in his system with that that positive arrogance and that I know my system can work with a player with this skill set, it does make some sense for the 49ers to say, you know what? Let's cut Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll free $25 million in cap space. We'll give up those draft picks to get Sam in here. We now approve the quarterback position at about a $20 million. We, we improved our quarterback position and saved $20 million in salary cap space. We've got him under team control for next year if we want a fifth-year uh, fifth option. And we can also tag him if we want. And then we can start moving forward. Now, obviously, if Sam Darnold's going to work so well for Shanahan and, and his offense, why wouldn't he work so well with the exact same system in New York? So we'll see if it works. But I do think that during the draft, if the Jets say... I'm taking Zach Wilson and they turn in their draft card with Zach Wilson's name on it. And Zach Wilson is now their quarterback at number two. I think it does make sense to say, okay, let's try to get up a little bit. You know, if we really like, I think it was Rashawn Slater was the one that um, Brugler had the Jets trading up to get, if I'm not mistaken. If they see an offensive lineman or they see a pass rusher or they see a corner, like maybe Patrick Sertan slides a little bit, right? If they see one of those guys and they say, 
let's go up and get him. Moving Sam to help get to that position, like a Sam in the 23 to get, the, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think that does help round out the roster even better. It's something that's an interesting scenario that isn't being talked about too, too much, but can absolutely come into play here and and, and be, be an effective team building means for the Jets. All right. Since we last were on the podcast, uh, Robert Sala has finalized most of the coaching staff all set. A lot of like minor coaches at all. Safeties coach Mark Hand Manuel added. Tony Oden added as the cornerbacks coach. Mike Rutenberg, uh, linebackers coach. Lots of those pieces. The big ones were obviously already taken care of. Although I don't know if when we last did the show, if Brant Boyer was officially coming back. He is now a special teams coordinator. Yeah. Um, but really, Connor, it comes down to, and you're going to be writing about this, LaFleur and Ulbrich are the big pieces, obviously, the new coordinators with this team. Yeah, we got a story. It's been a, a lot of a lot of heavy lifting, so it's taken a little bit longer than I expected. Uh, but we do have a story running on The Athletic this week, and it's every single member of the Jets coaching staff a breakdown of that guy. So it's not only offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, but every, you know, the quarterbacks coach, the running backs coach, the linebackers coach, all of the assistant coaches, you know, all those guys. We've got a story coming up on The Athletic probably Thursday, maybe Wednesday. Tuesday, we're running a free agency story. Um, so it might either be Wednesday or Thursday, but it'll be this big coaching story. And it's not only the background of where these guys have been before, what they're working with on the Jets roster. But the very the, the cool part about working here at The Athletic is that we have a beat writer for for just about every single NFL team. You know, there's a couple that are that uh, writers who do multiple things, whether it's college and pro like we have down in Jacksonville. But um, there's basically these guys that are covering, you know, guys and, and women who are covering all of our teams. So it was kind of cool to reach out to, you know, Matt Barrows and say, okay, what do you know about, Mike LaFleur and and he's the guy who covered him when he was in San Francisco and he was able to give me you know a graph two graphs on this guy so I was able to do that for every single coach just about every single coach on the Jets roster uh there were a couple ones that that Sala brought over from college like from some of those like Western Michigan or something like that who don't have any NFL experience and we don't have a Western Michigan beat writer so it's been a little tough to dig up those like personal anecdotes there uh but there's a lot of like cool cool stories in there and i think things that that people will want to read and and they'll enjoy reading about you know the different coaches that the jets are bringing on and like i said it's a story that's definitely coming this week i don't know which day i just got to put some finishing touches on it write a lead and fill out a couple more information graphs but uh it'll be ready to go and i think you guys will like it like an example of one of the ones that i think was really really cool is john benton is the guy that the the uh, offensive lineman offensive line coach that the jets hired and uh, i reached out to matt barrows who obviously covered him with covered him when he was in san francisco and he said uh, during end of season practices, he'll bring out his electric guitar and play ACDC during warmups. Now, I don't ne- necessarily how much ACDC he's going to be shredding when it's awful cold here in, in Florham Park. It's a little different out there in San Francisco sometimes towards the end of the season. But I think that's kind of cool. So that's like some of the little nuggets and stuff you're going to get within the story. You know, knowing that the uh, the Jets new offensive line coach likes to shred some uh, some ACDC during practices. So uh, look for that kind of towards the end of this week. And I think it'll give uh, fans a, a nice inside look at the the very many coaches, a lot of new faces too that Sal is bringing with him to help out uh, with the uh, his staff. The Jets did not hire a friend of the podcast, Duke Mannyweather, as their offensive line coach for 2021. Not, no. no, he's uh, no. he's he's busy. I think too, honestly, he's working with Beth yeah. What you were saying right now, so yeah. Seriously though, but good. I think he probably does even better when right. he's right. having a job like that. Like yeah. when you're training all these guys privately, I think you're doing a little bit sometimes a little bit better, and that's also uh, job security wise is also quite a bit better when you're doing it that way. Then uh, so if he's him, I don't know if I would want to necessarily take a team job. A little 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 more pressure there than. Uh, what he's doing now which is probably not as much fun 
All right, so we've gotten a lot of questions, so we want to get to, to some of those um, in the chat, also on Twitter. Um, no surprise, some of them also having to do with quarterbacks. Um, here's an interesting one, Connor. Is there any truth to Wilson being QB1 on some teams' boards, or is it just smoke to drive up the trade price for the Jets and Miami's top pick? I think that any team that has Zach Wilson number one on their board is that every team realizing that Trevor Lawrence is not an option and that it's like, why, why, why when he's going to the Jaguars? Like, it's like, he's the number one. He was going to be the number one pick. We're not picking number one. Yeah, we'll do our scouting, we'll do our homework, but like, why even put him on our board? Like, that's that. That's how I would view it. Everyone that I've touched base with, every coach, every scout, every executive, every agent, I have not heard anyone that has said Zach Wilson is a better prospect than Trevor Lawrence. I have not heard it. Now, it doesn't mean that some people, you know, some scout isn't looking at the tape and saying, no, I like that he does this and I like that and he's going to be a better pro than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, absolutely. I mean, look, there were people that thought Mitch Trubisky was a better option and a better prospect than than Pat Mahomes. And the, there are people probably that thought Pat Mahomes was better than Mitch Trubisky, which seemed crazy during that draft. Look how it played out now. No. What I will say is I've talked to people that like Zach Wilson a lot. I mean, I've talked to one guy, uh, one agent who tried to represent him and was doing everything he could to, to find a way to, to be his representation. And he said, he goes, dude, I've watched the film. I've studied the homework. And the kid's going to be a star. He goes, I see Pat Mahomes like traits within Zach Wilson with what he's able to do with throwing the football, arm angles, uh, escapability, making uh, plays off script. He goes, I love him. And I've talked to people that are obsessed with Zach Wilson and that look at Zach Wilson and think he's going to be a franchise quarterback and a stud. I've also talked to people that have legitimate concerns with his personality. Like one agent uh, I was talking to about uh, Zach Wilson said that, you know, there's kind of a, a little bit of a sense of entitlement there and that that's kind of something that rubbed him the wrong way when he met him for the first time. And, and that's you know one of the things that turned him off. Now, other people don't feel that way and other people do. He's, he's a polarizing prospect, not necessarily on the field. Like obviously people are going to say, oh, we didn't play too much. He didn't play top tier talent. So that's an issue and that's a concern and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But off the field, he's polarizing and that some people love him and aren't concerned with his personality. Other people are concerned and, and do have some worries about his personality. It's uh, He reminds me of Josh Rosen a little bit in that respect of, of not as extreme. I mean, because I remember when Josh Rosen was coming out, I was told like one one scout told me he's a dick, like just straight up was like, <laughs> that guy's an ass. I was like, I was like oh, oh, well, that, OK, I was like, that's a little extreme. And obviously it's kind of it played, played out. out yeah. One, but, yeah, it, I haven't heard that level of extreme with people not liking Zach Wilson. Just some people that were like, oh, you know, he. He kind of comes from from a situation where he's he's never he's always had things available and that kind of a thing. So that'll turn some people off. It won't turn other people off. But no, I, I haven't heard that he's the quarterback one on anyone's draft board just because Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. And he is the most surefire prospect I've seen and read of since Andrew Luck. And I talked to somebody who's a scout for the Colts who said that uh, Lawrence will receive a higher grade than anyone in Indianapolis had on Luck. So, I mean, that's how good Lawrence is supposed to be and everything that he checks and every box he checks and all that stuff. So I think anyone that has Wilson ahead of Lawrence is just because they're not even considering Lawrence an option. Whenever I hear quarterback stories about quarterbacks and the entitlement, I think of uh, Cush from Jerry Maguire, Frank Cushman, right? And the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Turning yeah, yeah. around on him. Uh, the, uh, yeah. the Jerry O'Connell character in that movie. Um, all right. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Some other stuff. Marcus May is obviously a free agent to be. And we're going to talk a lot about, you know, between now and free agency, which is what three weeks away at this point, um, who the Jets should target. But you also have to look within, right, and who you need to keep. And how about Marcus May? This one from Brian Labrizzi. Have we called Marcus May yet? Any news on extending on the extending of him? No, so uh, nothing specifically right now. Uh, the Jets obviously want him back, and Joe Douglas has said he wants him back. And after Joe Douglas makes that comment, um, well, like Joe made Joe's made the comments about how he messed up the Robbie Anderson situation, and after he makes those comments about how he screwed up the Robbie Anderson situation, and now having a player that is very similar in a situation as Marcus May, where okay, he's probably not great. But he's a good player, and he's a he's a player that's well-liked within the locker room, and he helps your team. I find it very, very, very hard to believe that he's going to let Marcus May go. Now, the means that he goes to to sign him, if you're Marcus May and the Jets come to you with a contract extension right now, why are you signing it right now? Like, you have the legal tampering period three days before free agency. That's when everyone else can call and contact you. So if the Jets come and say, hey, we're going to give you X years, X million, X guaranteed, yeah, okay, that's that looks like a good deal, but there's also a really good chance that on the legal tampering period, the Indianapolis Colts call you and say, hey, we want to offer you $5 million more total and $3 million more in guarantees. And suddenly that's a better deal than the Jets were offering that you would have never known existed if you didn't just wait until the legal tampering period. The other situation that can come is you can get calls and, and, and uh, contact from other teams and these other teams call and contact you and you realize, okay... The deals are either the same or not as good, so you go and you accept the Jets. But it doesn't behoove Marcus May to sign any deal before the legal tampering period because you just want to know what your worth is, and you're not going to know what your worth is until you are able to talk to other pl- other people available in the market. And, you know, with agents, normally this could have actually happened at the Combine this week. That obviously is not going to happen anymore because uh, the Combine is going to be so different and so weird and not everyone's going to be there. So those same conversations that would happen at bars and during dinner and, and you know, off the record casual conversations, they're not going to happen anymore. But I, if I'm May, I'm at least waiting till then. And if you're the Jets, maybe you don't want to wait and you say, OK, let's hit him with the franchise tag now. I personally think transition tag is probably a little more likely for Marcus May than franchise. I don't know if the Jets are going to want to go as high as I think that franchise tag for a safety could be north of 11 million, closer to $12 million uh, franchise tag for a safety. 
I don't know if the Jets are going to necessarily want to do that. They can do the transition tag, and that hits him with a $9 million uh, contract instead. So I think that might be a little more likely for Marcus May. But either way, I, I wouldn't expect anything to happen until the legal tampering period or, or just after that. Because if you're May, like I said, not, not from a Jets standpoint, the Jets would lock him up tomorrow if they could. If you're May, you're a free agent. You want to know what your worth is, and you kind of get that idea down during uh, the legal tampering period. You mentioned the combine, which is a kind of a big deal that that hasn't been talked about too much. But beyond the free agents and talking to players uh, around dinner and bars and all that sort of thing, um, there's also the draft implications. And we just talked about the Jets doing all they can to figure out what they think about these quarterbacks. But how much of a factor when you're when you've talked to people, Connor? How concerned are people that? the evaluation process is a little different. You still have the pro days and all the teams are doing pro days and you got to get to all those, but that's different than having all these players in one place for three days in Indianapolis. It's more for the medicals. I mean, like 40 yard dash times are kind of like, it's whatever. Like some people put stock into that. I don't put any, if you can play football, you can play football. Um, the big thing is like you have all of those players in one spot to get all of your medicals done. And you also have all those players in one spot to talk to them in person, although it's limited and you can only do a certain number of interviews with a certain number of players, but you can still have and you can do interviews at combines. The big thing is just the the um, acceptance or, or the uh, readily available, how available it is to just get every every medical question taken care of during that time. I mean, the rest of it, like, OK, you want to see what a guy runs. I think the. The combine has become significantly more than what it was because of like the access that like NFL Network and them have. I mean, nobody. I remember the first year I was a kid, but I remember the first year the NFL Network broadcast the combine, and I had never even heard of it before. And watching it and seeing these players run, I mean, it's become a spectacle and it's become an event, and it's amazing how the NFL has turned that into a, a not cash grab, but a, a viewership drawing event when it's literally just college players running drills. Like if you think about it, like it's. It's guys running 40-yard dashes and quarterbacks throwing to nobody. I mean, that's that's like ghost-on-air plays and, and receivers running the gauntlet. Yet, you'll have millions and millions and millions of people tuning in to watch it. So, the the biggest thing, I don't think evaluation is impacted that much because you'll be able to watch these guys run their 40s at their pro days. Also, the vast majority of these college players who, unless they opted out, now have film from last year. It's not as much as, it's not as much film as past seasons, but still games, college games were played, which we weren't sure that was going to happen a few months ago. So the fact that college games were played, you have film there, you have film from the previous seasons, you're obviously going to have positional drills and stuff like that at the com- uh, the pro days and some of it at the combine. The one thing that's just going to be hurting them is you're not getting all the medicals done right away. Like you would be able to immediately cross so many, check off so many boxes just in, in three days of being down at the combine. All right, back to the quarterbacks we go. This one from Manton. He says, wonder what happens to James Morgan. Is he still on the team in 21? Seems like a meaningless pick at this point. I think that's a little bit harsh. I would imagine he'll still be around. And we've said from the start, Connor, that it's a project, and it's not about him someday being the Jets' starting quarterback. It never was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Now, what I will say is that we talked earlier this show about how Sam fits in a Shanahan offense and how Sam fits in um uh Sam fits in in a LaFleur offense because it's going to be a Shanahan offense that's not James Morgan like like the, right. the James Morgan skill set is not tailor-made for a Shanahan offense it is not conducive to a Shanahan offense I mean what he does well is not necessarily the traits that you need within this scheme I mean he's a pro style drop back immovable quarter he does not move like I remember talking to his college coach at uh where do you go Florida Atlantic FAU 
uh, or where he transferred in. I, I did a story on James Morgan after the Jets drafted him, and I called his college offensive coordinator and, and did a big interview with him. And his offensive coordinator was saying um, basically that when they were looking on the transfer market for a quarterback to be their starter at FAU, FIU. they didn't want FIU. Mm-hmm. FIU. Okay. So FIU, when he was looking for the quarterback at FIU on the, the transfer market, it was, um, we don't need mobile. We don't need runner. We want a pro style drop back pocket quarterback. That's what we wanted. And that's what led them to James Morgan. And eventually led them to bringing Morgan on. And he had a lot of success there at FIU and, and they, and they had their, their success and all that stuff. I mean, he's not going to move. He's not going to make plays on the run. He's not going to escape people. He's going to drop back in the pocket, move a little bit like Tom Brady within the pocket, but then find the open guy. Now that doesn't necessarily work within the Shanahan scheme. Now, what I will say is the reason why the Jets drafted him, like Tim said, was never to be this team's starting quarterback. They never envisioned a quarterback controversy between Sam Darnold and James Morgan. They drafted James Morgan because as his offensive coordinator in college said, he's quote unquote a football dork. That he just loves this stuff. He loves the X's and O's. He loves the breakdown. He used to watch NFL games on Sunday, James Morgan. He would watch NFL games on Sunday with a bunch of index cards in front of him. And he would watch a play and be like, wow, I really like that play. He would then rewind it five times, write down what every single player would do, what the X did, the Y did, what left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, running back, all that stuff. He would then go to school the next day, get all of his receivers and offensive linemen together for a, a players-only practice and run through the plays that he had drawn out on cards. If the play didn't work, he threw the card out. If the play worked, he would then go to his coaching staff, the offensive coaching staff, and be like, hey, I just ran through these plays with these guys. It worked really well. I like this concept. I like what this did. Can we try to implement it in the offense? And they'd be like, okay, well, this will fit our terminology. If we call it this thing, we'll throw it in the playbook and we'll try to run it this week. So like, that's the kind of stuff that James Morgan would do. That's the stuff he loved doing. Adam Gase, Joe Douglas fell in love with that, said, man, he will be the perfect sounding board to have within our quarterback room and within our locker room to help Sam week by week, prepare Sam, help see things that Sam doesn't see, break down the film. And then if he has a couple good uh, off seasons, he has a couple good spring, uh, spring trainings. He has a couple good training camps, has a couple good uh, preseasons. We'll be able to take him and maybe flip him for a third. Or if he, you know, if Sam gets hurt and he plays four or five games and has a Matt Flynn type game, maybe we can flip him for a second round pick. You know, maybe we can do those things with James Morgan. But but that still carries some weight, even though he's not necessarily a scheme fit, that he'll still mentally be able to help, whether it's the rookie quarterback or whoever the Jets have in here. And it's not like he's costing too much money. So I think he'll be on the team in 2021. I don't know how much longer after that, but I also don't think he's like, oh, well, you know, the Jets can draft a rookie. They can still keep trying to develop James Morgan just because I don't think he's a, he's too much of a fit. But the Jets aren't going to want to lose his brain. And, and remember, you know, Joe Douglas still picked him. And I know Adam's gone and Adam was the one who really, really loved him. But Joe's not just going to cut a guy that he drafted right away, especially when he doesn't cost any money. Yeah, and all that said, it is a fair point that he was a fourth-round pick. Maybe a little high, but but nonetheless. All right, uh, next one. This well, is- the issue, Tim, there was... The issue, the issue there, to, 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 the issue with him drafting fourth round is that, and we've said this before, is that the Jets had other holes. Right. I, I don't have a problem with them drafting a quarterback like this to put in the quarterback room, be a sounding board, be a, basically another coach in there, and then try to flip for a second or third round pick. I have no problem doing that when you're the Saints, mm-hmm. when you're the Chiefs, when you're the 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 Packers, when you're the Patriots, when you're a team that is perennially good. Not the Patriots this year, but like the perennially good. You've got the the team where like the Bills could do it this year, where you have someone, you develop them, you flip them, you kind of just put them in your farm system, grow them, flip them for picks. I get doing that. 
The problem with the Jets is that when they drafted James Morgan in the fourth round, they still had holes at receiver, offensive line, pass rusher, cornerback. Like they had so many other needs and so many other holes that it's hard to imagine that the best player on their board, there wasn't a best player available at a position of need that would have been better than drafting a developmental quarterback that in your perfect world never sees a reg- never plays a regular season snap over the next four years. Like there had to have been a better option there. That was the problem with drafting James Morgan. Not necessarily that you took James Morgan, it's that you took James Morgan over players that might help you on the field to a, to a, a much more extreme extent. It was like when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round with Carson Wentz as your quarterback. Like, why don't you draft a player to help your quarterback or make the roster better instead of somebody that best case scenario is playing four or five snaps a game? Like for him as a wildcat. Well, now he's their quarterback, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. This more a statement than a question, but from John Martin, it's realistically possible that the entire Jets 2018 roster will be gone next year. If we don't sign Poole, May, Jenkins, Hewitt, and move on from Sam, I think Basham would be the only one left. Kind of crazy. Basham's a free agent. And obviously doesn't speak well of the the past regime, but you also see a lot of this when you have a new front office come in. They want their people, but it is uh, it is eye-opening for sure to see that. Uh, yeah, it's actually stunning. I never yeah. even thought, I've looked at their drafts. I've never looked at the wholesale roster, but that is... That is wild. Now he said Basham's on his. Basham's probably not going to be back next year because right. he's a free agent, and they they expect that they're going to have a pretty strong market for him, and he's going to go somewhere he can play. And he's more of a thirty-four outside linebacker. He's not a defensive end, and and he could maybe play the Sam position for the Jets, that strong side outside linebacker. But the Jets are probably going to want somebody that has a little bit more coverage ability than what Basham does. When he has he has some to pick his hand up, but for the most part, he's a pass rushing, run stuffing thirty-four outside linebacker. So I don't think he really fits within the scheme anymore. Um, but yeah, that's wild. If May's gone, Jenkins gone, Hewitt, Sam Darnold, that's crazy. I never even thought about it. Um, but that's, that's wild. That just goes to show you how bad this team's drafting was under the McCagnan regime. I mean, they're, what is it? They're, they're out of players in their 2015 draft, 2016, all they have left is Jenkins, 2017, they have May. And I think that's it. And 2018, I got to go through and look at it all, but I know that one's not looking great either. I can't remember when they drafted Fadu Kasi. I think that might have been 18. I can't remember exactly when they picked him up. But, I mean, it's just you can't swing and miss that much. I mean, you at least need to find players that are good. But the wild thing about the Jets players is, like, half these guys aren't even in the league anymore. Like, I've I've, I've written the number before. I'd have to go back and look. It's, like, of the 65 players they've drafted, 30 of them aren't even in the NFL. Like, where's our Darius Stewart? Like, the guy, like, he he was a third-round pick for the Jets. And he's not, like, he didn't even play a regular season game after the Jets cut him. And the Jets cut him after having him on the roster for one year. Like, you can't it's tough for good teams to respond after swinging and missing like that, let alone teams that have been out of the playoffs for 10 years. It's wild. Yeah. Fado sixth round pick in, in 2018. Okay. So let's, let's end this on a positive note and let's look ahead. Um, this question is from Twitter from the Robert Sala fan club. What are some <laughs> non top meme players Twitter. That do you you think the Jets will sign? So you know we're we're looking we looked back on you know 2018. Let's let's look ahead and some mm-hmm. some guys that could uh, make a difference in this team in I 2021. Need, I need a haircut. You see that? That's, <laughs> That's what you think of the off the um, off the radar. So not the big names, not the number one receiver, not the you know those right. guys. The, some of the filling out the roster type guys. Yeah, Williams, the corner from Arizona or not Arizona. I'm sorry, uh, San Francisco. I think he's a guy, Quan Williams. I know that. Um, I know that he's a big fan. Uh, like he has a big fan in Sala. Sala likes him a lot. He would fill a need. His issue is injuries that he tore his ACL in 2019. 
and missed a chunk of 2020 because of that injury. So he hasn't played, but when he has played, he's looked like a starting corner. And depending on how the Jets evaluate and look over Bryce Hall and bless Austin, they could look at, okay, we still need a number one corner, but Kawan Williams could be our number two if he's healthy and stuff like that. So he could be a low risk signing to bring aboard. Uh, Janu Smith, the tight end from uh, Tennessee. I think he could be one. Trey Burton from Indianapolis is another one. I know that Joe Douglas has experience with him in Philadelphia. Uh, he was the quarterback on the Philly special. Uh, injuries have kind of been an issue for him because he went to Chicago and then he went to uh, Indy now, but he's a good receiving option at tight end, which is what uh, uh, Shanahan and LaFleur's offense needs is they want guys that can catch the ball and run after it. And, and Trey Burton's not a blocker, but he's kind of that guy that could come in and be a better version of uh, Trevon Wesco and that, yeah, he's not going to get like the receiver. He can line up at fullback. He can line up at halfback. He can line up in the slot. He can line up at tight end. He can do a lot of things there. Uh, and the big one that I don't know if you loop him in as a top tier uh, option, but Curtis Samuel is the one that I always go back to. And I, I made a couple calls on him because he's the hybrid. You know, he's not a receiver. He's not a running back. He's like that weird, put him on the field and he makes plays and you get the ball in space and he'll make plays and he'll make some plays down the field. He can also make plays out of the backfield as a runner. Like he can do so many different things in this league year where so many teams are going to be over the cap and so many teams are going to be cap strapped. There are very few teams that can afford to sign a not really running back, not really receiver like Curtis Samuel. They just, there aren't those teams aren't there that much because there aren't that many teams that have salary cap space like the Jets do to go out and 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 make a signing like that. So I know I called someone and they said that they basically had Curtis Samuel pegged to the Jets already because he's a playmaker. He fits well within the floor's offense and the Jets have the salary cap space to sign him. So he's somebody that I believe they'll go out there and get and and, and make a run. Uh, kind of flipping this question on its head though is the guys that I wouldn't target. I know I saw stuff out there about like um, Will Fuller. Like I wouldn't, if I was the Jets, I wouldn't go anywhere near Will Fuller. I'd be worried about the injury concerns. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is another one. He's a guy that he's a slot receiver. He's a slot receiver with maturity concerns. And I don't think that he's going to be worth the money that the Jets would have to go out there and get him. Now, if they cut Jamison Crowder and they recoup $10 million and then they look, okay, we're getting rid of Jamison Crowder, getting $10 million more in our books. We can now go sign Juju and Allen Robinson or Juju Curtis Samuel and somebody else and Kenny Galladay or Juju this guy and Corey Davis, you know, we can go out and get those guys because now we have an extra 10 million to spend because we got rid of Crowder, then okay, fine. But I, if you're keeping Crowder, I wouldn't go and sign Juju because he's not an outside receiver. And also aside from that one massive year, he had his rookie or second season, the year where he caught like a hundred balls with, with Antonio Brown split wide, where he was basically seeing one-on-one -on -one coverage since Brown left. He hasn't been that great. Like yep. he's been fine, but he hasn't been that great with the Steelers. So he's somebody that I would stay away from. All right, good stuff. That's going to do it for us. Uh, make sure you rate and review the show on Apple. I think we're getting close to 200 ratings on Apple. So five stars there if you have a chance. Um, and if you want to save on a subscription to The Athletic, you can do that by going to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. Right now you can sign up for The Athletic for just $3.99 a month. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back in two weeks. Our off-season cadences generally every two weeks. If something big happens between now and then, we'll definitely hop in with an emergency podcast. Now that Marissa's back from vacation, that's very, very possible. Finally. Yeah, so so we may hear you may hear from us before that, but otherwise, we'll talk to you then. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>